This is Aspire, Arch Street Public Radio, a content-driven platform broadcasting interviews from our Innovate, Innovate Media, Innovate CSR, and Innovate Under 30 podcast series. Aspire gives public voice to the nonprofit and for-profit sectors, academia, journalism, and social entrepreneurship. Today, our guest is Fagan Harris, CEO of Baltimore Corps and co-founder and director of the Impact Careers Initiative. Baltimore Corps recruits results-oriented professionals, locally and nationally, to scale the impact of leading social change organizations in Baltimore. The Aspen Institute Impact Careers Initiative's mission is to identify the institutional barriers holding talented millennials back from impact careers. Fagan graduated from Stanford University with his B.A. in Political Science and American Studies in 2009. He attended the University of Limerick for an M.A. in Human Rights and Criminal Justice. Fagan also attended the University of Oxford and was the recipient of a Rhodes Scholarship. His previous work experience includes time with College Track and the White House Council for Community Solutions. Fagan is an Emerson Collective Fellow. As part of the Emerson Collective, Fagan served as the chair of National Outreach for The Dream Is Now, a campaign for common sense immigration reform. Fagan, it's a pleasure to have you with us today. Thank you so much for having me. Did you have any childhood experiences that opened your eyes to problems going on in Baltimore? You know, I grew up just outside of Baltimore um, in a town called Glen Burnie, and it's a blue collar place. And there was a lot of folks there who were working really hard every day just to, to make it and to raise their family. And that was really shaping and formative for me because um, that was an environment where I think opportunity and connections to opportunity uh, wasn't taken for granted because uh, it was it was really rare, to be frank. And, you know, my parents were, were both in public service. My dad worked in Job Corps. My mother was a school teacher. And, you know, while we didn't have a, a lot, a lot, we, we did fine. We were comfortable. My, my parents worked very hard to make that that we had the best shot. And so they raised us with a strong sense of kind of getting involved in the neighborhood and getting involved in the community and helping those who, who had a lot less. And so I was, I was shaped by that in a, in a really deep and profound way because it, it, it's carried with me uh, to this day. It's really interesting to hear you talk about your parents and their influential involvement in the community. Do you remember any specific um, incidents or first experiences that really inspired your your own interest in facilitating social change? Mm. Yeah, you know, I had a paper route when when I was young, and I had it for five or six years until I was in my late teens, and um, I delivered in a lot of low income communities, and. In particular, I, I delivered to a lot of folks who were elderly and on a fixed income. And, um, you know, when you deliver a paper, you're not just delivering the paper, but every month you do collections. And so you're there to collect the payment for the, for the subscription. And as you do that, you fall into a cadence where you start to get to know people and their lives and their family, you know, because you're coming there in the evening time to collect the two or three dollars it takes to pay for the paper. And, you see and you observe things. And, um, you know, saw so where a lot of folks were struggling to pay the bills. A lot of folks struggle with mental health challenges. I remember one woman in particular, elderly woman, she was a widow and her, her kids had moved far away and she really struggled with kind of her mental health. And, um, and seeing that up close and personal was, was really formative for me and 
over time, I, I began to see that I was making a big difference in these people's lives just by showing up and trying to make a contribution. And that, again, was something that my mother in particular drilled into me was that, um, you know, you, you got to show up. You, you got to try to do things for folks and, and make a difference. And how did your time as a student and your education contribute to shaping your investment in Baltimore? You know, I've been incredibly fortunate. Um, I, I went to Stanford University for my undergrad and was just surrounded by a lot of people who were on fire about changing the world and making a difference. And that peer group was really uh, influential for me. Um, you know, with parents who were teachers and educators, um, I didn't know public service, quote unquote, or social impact work, quote unquote, was a was something you did because it was just something that you did as a matter of course. And so to go there and realize that there was people who were actually pushing innovation in those spheres and really changing the game and, and generating solutions that were just really powerful and transformative for people and communities was incredibly inspiring. Um, I think what was frustrating, though, is you come in the door and everyone's on fire about making a difference. And then when you get your diploma, a lot of folks were at a loss for the best career pathway to take. And so mm-hmm. I saw a lot of really great, uh, inspired, dedicated people going to careers that maybe weren't especially inspiring to them because they didn't feel like there was another way. And I remember being really frustrated by that because you have this huge migration of talent um, away from the hardest problems. And they're so urgent and they're so important. And we should be having a lot of people rolling up their sleeves and getting to work, working on education, working on criminal reentry, working on homelessness, working on food security. And so it was kind of a duality where, on the one hand, I'd never seen such a critical mass of people who were genuinely inspired to make a difference in the world. And on the other, I've never seen a critical mass of people so frustrated by their inability to do that. It sounds like you yourself had some pretty impressive previous work experience, for example, with the White House Council for Community Solutions. How did your um, previous working experiences lead to your current roles with Baltimore Corps and Impact Careers Initiative? The White House Council for Community Solution um, was an incredible initiative uh, launched out of the White House, and they convened social change leaders from all over the country. And what really came out of that was two things. One, <clears throat> there was a big focus on serving, working with, and empowering opportunity youth. So young people disconnected from work and education. And, you know, I think you have six or seven million opportunity youth in the United States at this point in time. And that's just a staggering amount of young people. Our next generation really should be the bright light for our country who aren't connected to meaningful work, aren't connected to meaningful education. And so that that focus resonated with me and, and something that I've seen a lot in my life up close. And then there was also a focus on collective impact which when you kind of take a step back and look at all the work that we've done in the social impact space over the last 20, 30, 40 years, you'll see no shortage of inputs. There's been a lot of effort to make a difference on some of these challenges, um, but there's been very few examples of where kind of bottom line metrics have been meaningfully changed. Um, you know, the high school dropout rate is more or less the same. The rate at which people are homeless or food insecure is more or less the same. And so what came out of it was this collective impact movement and the recognition that we needed to see deeper and more meaningful collaboration across the social impact space. And 
Only when we begin to aggregate and align our efforts are we actually going to see the needle move on some of these challenges. And so fast forward to our work in Baltimore Corps, you know, we tried not to just deploy talent to leading nonprofits or leading government agencies, these kind of discrete deployments. We think really hard about how we're connecting our fellows so that they are working with the leadership of several organizations across the city to really turn the corner on the achievement gap, to really turn the corner on the dropout crisis, to really turn the corner on addiction. And I trace that influence and that laser-like focus on collaboration and collective impact back to my work uh, in the White House. So what problems do you see going on in Baltimore today? Well, I see a lot of challenges, but I'll see a lot of opportunities. Um, you know, the truth is, is in Baltimore, we've lived with challenges for so long that a critical mass of our local leadership and the folks in our communities don't just view them as problems anymore. I mean, the story around these challenges is well told and that's out there. I think what's what's less evident and less apparent to folks across the country, and it should be, is, you know, this is a frontier of social change. And we've got some of the most visionary and dynamic and effective social change leaders in the country, if not the world. And so while there's really big challenges that range from addiction to education, homelessness, community development, um, we've got just a staggering number of people who are working to change that for the better. And they're getting traction. And if you can get it done here in Baltimore, you can get it done anywhere. Um, and in a country that's going to look more and more like Baltimore as time goes on, I think it's really important that we double down and invest in those leaders because in so many ways they're pointing the way forward. How does Baltimore Corps work with social change leaders and what do you do to address and initiate social change? Sure. So at Baltimore Corps, we take great pains to recruit really dynamic and effective social entrepreneurs from across the city. And a lot of these folks are in our communities and we need change from the ground up. Some of them are in government, like our newly appointed health commissioner, Dr. Lena Wen. Some of them are game-changing nonprofit leaders who have been recognized by Ashoka or Echoing Green. Um, what's common is that they're the best at what they do and they're getting results. And what they're looking for is really next generation leaders to come into their organizations or to come into their early stage efforts and really help build and scale those models. Um, we have a situation where we actually have really powerful proof points on a lot of our toughest challenges. We have evidence that what we're doing is working. The next generation of challenge is taking those results to scale. And that's where our fellowship program comes in, where we get the word out locally and nationally um, to young people who are bringing a lot of skill, a lot of capability, a lot of passion, a lot of purpose, a lot of resilience, a lot of grit. Um, and we connect them to our change makers here in the city and we connect them to one another. And then we try to really drive those results. And what are, what are some of those really tough challenges you're facing and what are some of the major goals of Baltimore Corps? Right now we're putting a lot of work um, into three issue verticals. So we've got a critical mass of fellows working in health. We've got a critical mass of fellows working in workforce development. And we've got a critical mass of fellows working in education. And I think what it all adds up to is we're really trying to create an environment where there's opportunity and access in Baltimore. And there's opportunity and access for all people living in the city. And it's hard to do that if there's lead in the water. It's hard to do that if folks aren't graduating from high school. 
it's hard to do that if folks who want a job and need a job can't connect to a job, even though there are jobs available. Um, so it's some of these really entrenched challenges that we're trying to get on top of and use a lot of evidence-based practice, a lot of deep collaboration, a lot of adaptive leadership to help mobilize the stakeholders necessary to find the will and the resources to do it. And how do recent events and a lot of media coverage of Baltimore impact your work? Well, you know, the, the events of the last several months um, have been profound. And I think it's made an indelible impact on anyone living and working in the city. I mean, it's changed. I think the way we all get up in, in the morning and, and do our work. Um, obviously, what happened in April was incredibly mm-hmm. tragic. Um, and it's no secret, though, that what led to those events have been years and years and, and decades even in the making. And so, I don't know, on some level, um, I think there's a sense of urgency that there's a real window right now to shake up the status quo and that a lot of the interests and approaches that have been in place for so long that we should be working to change that. Um, and I also think people are hopeful. I think they're hopeful that because we're really naming these challenges in a really explicit way, that we're talking about things like institutional racism, um, that there's an opportunity that we might really change things for the better. Um, I think the last thing I'll say is I also think there's a degree of frustration with how much we focused on um, kind of the negative portrayals of the city. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, that's, that's truly valid and I understand why it happens, but it's a fraction of the full story and it doesn't show so much of the peaceful work and the social justice work and the deep commitment that was happening in April and leading up to April and it's been happening here for a long time, some of the best work in the country. And so I think that really... Uh, That's a story that isn't as told as much, and it's one that we hope get out. This Innovate series features dialogue with some of the most influential advocates for changing our world, from the CEOs and founders of major nonprofits to the directors of cultural and academic institutions. Innovate demonstrates the vital role of empathy as an agent for that change. You mentioned before the importance of co- collaboration and collective efforts. How does Baltimore Core find its fellows and the social organizations with whom you work, and what is the process like for connecting them? Sure. So folks can apply um, through our website at www.baltimorecore.org. They can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn. Um, we have a full-time recruitment team that's constantly out in the community and at colleges and universities and at alumni programs and at community centers, the full range of where people come together uh, to work and think about how they make a difference in the world. Um, We rely a lot on our network of connectors and our advisory board to help us find folks who might not have connected or been exposed to our work um, to help us see things that we might have missed. Because Baltimore is a big city and there's a lot going on here. And it's deeply important to us that we're inclusive and that the outreach is extensive not just for our fellows, but where they're working and that we're really representing the full range and scope of impact that's underway in the city. So a lot of partners, 
a lot of partners, uh, just fabulous folks uh, from all walks of life helping plug in and, and build what is the Baltimore Core Network. And what type of work comes of these connections and what are some of the improvements you've seen because of Baltimore Core's work? You know, our folks are really working on the, the leading edge. Um, the, the seven fellows over at the health department have been working since since the spring, immediately following the uprisings to help the community bounce back and respond to that. Coordinating relief efforts, coordinating forums where communities can come together and form the policy that's going to move the city forward. Uh, they're working in organizations like Thread or the Digital Harbor Foundation um, that's got some of the most innovative approaches to education and creating STEM opportunities for children and taking those to scale, growing the enrollment of those programs by a really dramatic percentage. Um, they're working with social entrepreneurs like the folks over in West Baltimore, an organization called CUPS, which hires locally there in that neighborhood. It's the first job for a lot of people there. Um, you know, ostensibly they're selling a cup of coffee. What they're really doing is giving folks a, a leg up and a hand up so they can kind of get their career started. So it, it really is a, a huge constellation of work. I mean, it's dozens of organizations, um, and it's just a lot of people working very hard um, to move the best work forward. How has your experience been working with such a variety of fellows and organizations and being so collaborative? Oh, it's been great. It's, it's been great. It's the favorite, it's my favorite part of my job. Um, you know, no day's the same and we get to see and work with a lot of different people doing a lot of different things. It, it's a very inspirational place to work and it's, it's a little bit of a whirlwind every day with, with all that's going on, but it's a ton of fun. How has your experience been as a young social entrepreneur, um, and how has that shaped your involvement with Impact Careers Initiative? Well, I've had to scale it back a little bit. Um, you know, I've just got a lot less time now. Um, thankfully, there's new leadership over there, and they're just doing a fabulous job taking the program to the next level. Um, in so many ways, the research that we did there um, is the cornerstone of our approach and outlook here at Baltimore Corp. And so they're definitely related. Um, the work at Impact Careers is in the DNA of the organization here in Baltimore. And um, I think my hope over time is that my role now is really helping to bring more practice and a ground level perspective back to that work. So if the research continues to stay in touch with the leading edge and we're answering questions that are most pressing and relevant to the people doing the work. Why do you think millennials face difficulties attaining social impact careers? Well, uh, I'll put it to you this way. I, I think millennials are making a huge difference. And I think in a lot of ways they're breaking through and connecting. Um, and it extends well beyond their careers. I mean, the way millennials behave as consumers, the way they behave as citizens, the way they behave as neighbors and community leaders, um, the evidence is abundant. This is a really engaged, purpose-driven gener purpose generation that's going to make an enormous difference in the world and leave it a much better place. Um, I think what's happened in the realm of careers is there's a big shift underway. I think millennials are looking for work um, to look differently and to take a different shape, and I think they're pushing for that and agitating that. And I think what we're seeing is a lot of our friends in the private sector are responding to that. And so the nature of work over there is starting to change. And in the social sector, we're starting to get better organized and more effective at making the case to young people that there aren't just viable careers available, but really powerful, life-changing careers as well. 
And so uh, there, there's a challenge to be sure, and there's obstacles and impediments, but it's also a rapidly shifting landscape um, in which I think millennials, just given their values and orientation, they're going to make the most of it. Seems like you see millennials as being purpose-driven and pretty innovative, um, especially in terms of workforce. What unique qualities do you think that millennials bring to the job force besides that? Well, we're incredibly technologically savvy. Um, you know, just I think five or six years ago, you would not have been posting jobs for social media coordinators and social media administrators. Um, I think the way that we work and interact and advertise and connect, millennials are driving that and other generations are having to catch up. So you have for the first time in history, the elders in the workforce are actually coming to the young people saying, can you tell us how we set up a Facebook account? Because we need to connect with our local audience more effectively and we don't know how to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's a huge deal. It's a huge deal. Um, and, I, and I think millennials are bringing a sense of, of just fresh perspective and new thinking um, where they're really getting outside of the box and challenging orthodoxy. And, and that extends um, not just to how we work, but, getting to fundamental values. I think it's a more inclusive generation. It's a more tolerant generation, and that's going to manifest in so many different positive ways. What does the Impact Careers Initiative do to connect millennials to the jobs that they desire? So what they're doing is they're forming the research base um, for the field of, of social impact careers, and they're helping to write and research and disseminate best practice. They're helping employers think more critically about how they're outreaching and, and recruiting millennials to work. Um, it's really about kind of bringing the conversation into focus and giving everyone a common set of terms um, to speak with and engage. How has your experience been co-founding your own social venture? It's been fun. It's been hard. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a ton of work. It's a ton of hours, um, but it's been the most fulfilling and meaningful thing I've ever been a part of. Um, I've got the best job in the world. I love it. I get up every day, fired up to work with my team, to work with our community stakeholders, um, to work with great people like you across the country, uh, to tell the story of our generation and, and the role we're playing to make the world a better place. And we live in hard, challenging times, but they're also incredibly exciting. There's just huge opportunities to make a difference. And now more than ever, it's a great time to be a young person with tools um, out there contributing and leading. And so it's when you roll it all up, it's, it's a great, great, great gig. I love it. It's great. I'm wondering what challenges you've faced and how you've been able to overcome them and keep continuing with such a positive attitude. Well, you know, it's we're no different than, than most other folks. Right. Everybody's driving their enterprise forward, whether it's their family or their small business or their nonprofit or their church or community association. A lot of folks are invested um, in their community and they're trying to make things better. And so we had all the challenges that you might expect as we've done that ourselves. Um, you know, you're out there raising money. You're trying to build a board. You're crafting a vision. You're learning to collaborate and work with others. And so all the bumps and bruises that come with that kind of work. Um, I think what makes the difference is you recognize that that's what the work looks like. That's what the job is. And so you kind of get a healthy dose of perspective and you just realize this is part of it. And if you're not engaging with some of those difficult things, you're probably not 
pushing your organization forward in a meaningful way because um, they only come about when you actually start getting traction. So uh, one of my favorite things to say is I'm always really glad to have these kind of problems. These are good mm-hmm. challenges to have. How has empathy played a role in forming Baltimore Corps' approach? Empathy is incredibly important, um, especially when you're working in diverse and inclusive environments and you've got a lot of different folks from a lot of different walks of life. Um, it's really important to be able to put yourself in other people's shoes and to work backwards from their situation um, so that you might be able to more effectively meet them in the middle or meet them where they are. So I, I think it's foundational to what we do. Um, I don't know if we would be successful if not, because when you really boil it down, um, recruiting people from different walks of life and then connecting them to people in communities from different walks of life um, to work towards a common goal, that's actually pretty darn tough. Mm-hmm. And, and you got to be able to understand both sides and you got to create an environment in which folks feel comfortable coming together and striving for a bigger goal. What does the future hold for Baltimore Corps, and what would you ideally see happen? future for Baltimore Corps is bright. We've got a lot of work to do. Mm-hmm. Um, I anticipate that the fellowship will continue to grow. It's, it's going to be one of the preeminent opportunities to make a difference in the world, and I'm so excited and inspired by the work of our fellows and our social entrepreneurs that we work with. Um, and I think you know, the organizational work in, in different areas uh, increasingly Leadership development and building a community of practice is something that we're very passionate about. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're beginning to engage other parts of the local economy as well. So our, our ambition is to really be the front door uh, to a meaningful life and career here in Baltimore so that anyone who wants to connect can connect mm-hmm. and can make the, the city a better place. Um, that's that's our vision. That's our mission. Uh, we're committed to it. And, you know, we've got more tough work ahead, but I think it's, it's only onward and upward from here on out. And what advice would you offer to young people seeking to start their own social venture or organization? I'd say focus. Mm-hmm. You've got to focus. Um, I think you should do that hard work of of talking to hundreds of people before you jump into anything and get as much perspective as you can. And when you figure out what it is that you're offering the world that's unique and adds value, um, you got to focus like a laser on it. And you got to iterate and you got to get better, um, but you got to keep your eyes fixed on the goal. And you got to make sure that you rally your community of supporters and stakeholders um, in pursuit of that goal. And focus is the the number one driver of that. you can't do these things recreationally. I think a lot of entrepreneurship is kind of in right now, and mm-hmm. it's something that I think a lot of folks are excited about and inspired by. Um, but the practice of entrepreneurship is hard work. It's hard, unrelenting, focused work. Um, and so you've got to be excited about that part of it for a long time, I think, to, to get something where it needs to be. Well, Fagan, thank you for being our guest. The best way to reach Fagan and to support Baltimore Core's work is through baltimorecore.org. Click on the webpage links above this podcast for further details.
Innovate and Aspire are produced in partnership with Ashoka, Innovators for the Public, the Kellogg Fellows Leadership Alliance, and the Philadelphia Social Innovations Journal, and presented by Art Street Press and the Public Radio Exchange. Thank you for joining us today. Our library of interviews and a range of further resources may be found at archstreetpress.org or prx.org.